Welcome. God bless you. And welcome tonight. Uh, welcome to Church Online and welcome specifically to Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. And uh, we are uh, continuing the excitement. I know the word excited has been overused for some people, but I don't know a better word. I still feel excitement. I still feel uh, something uh, uh, that, that uh, you know, wakes me and makes me want to take the next step, makes me want to hurry somewhere. You know, it's, it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 the day after Thanksgiving. Is, it, is that called Black Friday? You know, that makes people want to get up early and get somewhere, makes them want to hurry somewhere. You know, uh, you know I, I would hurry and stand in line uh, to, to get what God is offering his children on a, on a daily and a weekly basis. I'm just so excited, uh, and I stay excited. Uh, could be because, you know, uh, just like so many of you, I needed so much whenever I found Jesus, and he helped me so much that, that uh, I, I just cannot imagine living a day without his grace, without his help, without his intervention. And it doesn't mean that every day's been easy, and it doesn't mean that you always can determine what you go through. But, you know, it's, it's what you're going to, not what you're going through, that many times we have to focus on. And, and sometimes we just have to realize we cannot always determine uh, what we go through, but we can determine how we go through it. Let me say one more thing about going through something then, okay? Since that seems to be a theme of the Holy Spirit for just a moment. You know, sometimes you have to go through one thing before you can get to something else. Don't despair. Sometimes we have to go through something we don't want to in order to get to something we do want to. And sometimes we have to fully let go of one thing before we can fully get hold to another. That's just the way it is. And many times, you know, while we are waiting on the move of God, God is waiting on the move of people. God has done uh, his work. He has finished his work in Christ. It does not mean that he still does not have to make decisions and, 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 and do miracles, but it does mean that, that many of the general things that we are waiting on God for, he is generally waiting on us for. And if we will make a move, many times he will meet us along the way. He will meet us as we are going. It's like the children of Israel whenever they were facing uh, going into the promised land. Uh, you know, it... It, it looked insurmountable. It looked like it was hard to do, and there were giants in the land, and, 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 and they lacked some confidence. But I am convinced, as the Word of God would bear witness, that if they had just have advanced, if, if, if they would have advanced and engaged, God would have met them with every step. God would have met them every step of the way and helped them every step of the way. He would have provided. God never points where He's not willing to provide. And uh, provision is for the vision. Vision comes first. Often, you know, our, our, our going toward him goes first. It's like the woman in, 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 uh, in Second Kings who, you know, was, was uh, you know, uh, uh, First Kings, rather, 17, who was enduring the drought. Elijah, the prophet, had called for a drought, and this woman was enduring the drought. And in order for her to get her miracle, it demanded that she make the first move. Elijah said, you make me a cake first and God will supply what you need. Had she not been willing to reach out and do something first, had she not been willing to take some action uh, toward, you know, uh, uh, 
offering God an opportunity to, to divinely intervene, then that would not have happened. We would not have that testimony. We would be reading a different testimony, how it didn't happen. The little woman who had the issue of blood in Mark 5, if she had not have been willing to have moved, have pressed in, have, have done something first, she heard of Jesus and she came, but if she had not, you know, if she'd just been sitting back waiting on God to do something, we would be reading a different story. We would have been reading an account of a woman who, 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 who had been 12 years with a problem and, and was none better, grew worse, and spent all her living and she heard of Jesus uh, she refused to believe did not come and she died of her plague that would have been the story okay but she moved forward uh, sometimes and, I, and, and I, I'm, I know I'm speaking to someone tonight so just take it if it's you sometimes it requires us to do something with our situation sometimes it requires us even to get up and go through something we'd rather not go through to get to something we must uh, get to sometimes we cannot you know, uh, but play the cards we are dealt and it's important when it comes our turn that we actually play that we don't sit back because we don't think we have a winning hand and therefore we won't participate you know so much of the miracle of God is participation. God demands that we participate in our miracles. Uh, it's like uh, Naaman the leper, one more. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many of these God's going to bring up, but we'll do whatever God wants to tonight, okay, to teach us a lesson that he has for us, is that the, uh, the leper... Naaman, uh, he was uh, told by the prophet to dip in the river Jordan seven times and he would be cleansed of its leprosy. You know, he refused to do that. That was the first story. The first story of Naaman the leper is that he just could not see any value in dipping in the dirty river Jordan. He had rivers in his own place. He certainly thought the prophet would come out and throw some dust in the air or wave his hands or scream or something, you know, but he did not. All the prophet did was send a messenger out and said, tell him go dip in the river Jordan seven times. He'll be healed of his place. And so on his way back home, disappointed and on the point of depression and, and even engaging these two countries to the point of war, did he go back home and, and you know, uh, to his king and say that the king of, of, of Israel refused with his prophets to heal your servant. You know, Naaman was a very important servant of his king. And, and uh, you know, all these things were at stake. And one of his friends encouraged him and said, listen, Naaman. Why not go ahead and try it? Just try it. What do you have to lose? And so when Naaman got back to the River Jordan, he said, okay. You know, uh, and he, he just tried it. And, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, no different. And on the seventh time when he fully obeyed the Lord... Just like the children of Israel, if they had gone into the Promised Land at Kadesh Barnea, you know... There the Lord met him and healed him and cleansed him of his leprosy, changed his life. God can change our lives today, but many times it will demand us participating in our miracle. Okay? Well, uh, God bless you. If you're teaching our lesson tonight, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that applies to the lesson or not, but from what I understand, uh, uh, from one spot in, in, in Kenya, they're having to spend two hours to cover what we cover in 25 minutes. So uh, uh, Bishop Kabiri, God bless you and, and, uh, and your congregation and, and the Life Shape Prayer Group there in, in Nakuru, uh, East Africa. Uh, they are uh, taking two hours to go over this. So tonight's lesson, I'll give you a little bit less and maybe it won't take quite as long uh, for your week. Tonight, we're continuing with our new creation realities. Basically, what we get when we get born again. 
What do we get? What changes? So what? We got saved. You know, I got saved as a 12-year-old little boy, and, and uh, you know, something happened in here, but, uh, but I didn't know what it was. No one told me. Well, we're learning what happens, what changes. What do you get when you get saved? What do you get when you get born again? And tonight, our new creation realities, we're in uh, the module two, new creation realities, block number seven, uh, is sozo. That's what you get. You get sozo. Sozo. I know it looks like sozo, but it's actually a little D thrown in there between the O and that Z, okay? It's a Greek word, sozo. That's what you get. You know, in Matthew, the 14th chapter, uh, we're not going to be turning there. You can and follow along if you like. Uh, we'll go to our key scripture in a moment in Matthew chapter 18. But four chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 14, uh, we find that the Bible records Jesus feeding a group of 5,000 men, besides the women and children, maybe 10 to 15,000 people. Jesus fed with just a few fishes and some loaves, just the lunch that one young lad had brought with him that day on his adventure. And Jesus blessed, broke, and gave, and, and, and all the thousands were fed. They had all they want, and there were uh, extra leftovers taken up. And, and when they had concluded that uh, feeding, of, uh, that miracle of the fish and loaves, Jesus told his disciples, get in the boat and go across the northern portion of this lake of Gennesaret. We also call it the Sea of Galilee. Uh, uh, and uh, the, the, the Sea of Capernaum is another uh, 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 thing that we call it. Go across this lake and uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you on the other side. And so it's evening time and they get in the boat and they push away from the shore and they begin to row. And, and it's only at the most about five miles is as far as it could be in that northern shore across this lake at that point. Most likely it was only about three and a half or four miles from the point where they were to the point he wanted them to go. You know, strong fishermen rowing in a, in a boat about 20, 21 feet long or so, 22 feet long. And, and, you know, they should have been able to make it fairly soon. And it was evening time. They started out. And Jesus, after they left, he sent the multitudes away. And then he found a, a, a private place where he could be alone and pray. He goes and prays and talks to his father. And, and nighttime comes. And, and it gets late in the night, beyond midnight, you know, beyond 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, you know, somewhere between 4 Four and six in the morning, three thirty, six in the morning. Uh, you know, there, uh, Jesus looks out on the sea on this lake from his vantage point, and he sees the disciples out there still rowing, because a storm had suddenly come up, and they had been out there for hours trying to get across the sea, but the winds were contrary, and the waves were rolling the wrong direction, and they could not continue their journey with any success. And so Jesus goes to them walking on the water, and in the midst of all of this storm in the midst of all of the wind and the waves and all of these things, the disciples in their weary state, some, some late in the morning in the fourth watch of the night, here the disciples look out and they see someone walking on the water and it, I'll, I'll use the, uh, well, it scares them. It makes them afraid, okay? It, it, uh, it really uh, disconcerts them a little bit and they thought it was a ghost. Isn't that interesting? They thought it was a ghost walking on the waters. Yeah, that, well, that might be the, your first go-to place of some spirit looks like walking out, hovering on the, on the storms of the, of the winds and waves. 
Um, but Jesus, understanding they were afraid, he called out to them and he says, do not be afraid. It's me. It is I. Do not be afraid. And, and Peter spoke up and said, Lord, if it's you, then, uh, you know, call me to come to you out on the water, walking on the water myself. And Jesus said, uh, well, Peter, come. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he goes toward Jesus walking on the water. Now, uh, bearing in mind, the wind was already blowing, the waves were already rolling before Peter ever got out of the boat. But once Peter gets out there and starts walking on the water to go to Jesus, all of a sudden, uh, for some reason, he gets his focus off of Jesus, as some people do in a storm. He gets his he, uh, focus off of Jesus, and he begins to look at the, uh, and, and, and at the situation he's in. And seeing the boisterous wind and all of the things, he begins to be afraid okay he begins to have second thoughts and and looking at all these things the bible says that peter begins to sink he begins to sink as sometimes our doubts can cause us to do we don't necessarily just go under all at once and you know uh, uh, give it all up but we begin to sink and peter in this picture is beginning to go down he's 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 uh, looking at the situation instead of looking at jesus and and as the bible says he began to sink uh, and seeing himself in that situation beginning to sink he cries out, out loud, he says this, Lord, save me. That's what he said. And the Bible basically says Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand and, uh, you know, gathered him up. He, uh, he lifted him up. He gathered him to him, took his hand. Well, Lord, save me. Wow. What a cry. Lord, save me. What greater cry could any person offer in their moment of need, in their moment of desperation, in their moment whenever they realize that, that if something doesn't happen here, you know, my boat's going down, my life's going down, I'm going to lose it. And with these words, Lord, save me, we see Jesus reaching out. Whether, uh, whether you're in a, in, in, in a place of fear or a place where you're facing death or fear of death, you know, uh, Jesus, our Savior, he is mighty to save and he will save when we we cry out to him, Lord, save me. That Greek word for save is the word we're talking about tonight. Sozo, okay? It covers so many things, but that's what we get when we get born again. We get saved, delivered, and made well in so many areas of life. We get access to salvation. Our key scripture tonight, Matthew, the 18th chapter in verse 11, Jesus said this, For the Son of Man, of course speaking of himself, has come to save that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to sozo, save that which was lost. The word save here, let me put it up there for you so you can see it. It is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, but pronounced S-O-D-E. Uh, with the, high, uh, the emphasis on that, sozo, okay? And it's a, it's a part of the Greek grammar where we to understand Greek, and I do not, but so many other learned people have understood it so well, they've written books about it and made it simple. It's, it's, it's called uh, uh, Greek for Pastors. And uh, you thought I was going to say dummies, didn't you? <laughs> it's, uh, it's Greek for pastors, okay? And uh, this particular 
part of the grammatical composition of the Greek language indicates a few things. First of all, it's, it's an active word. It means that the person who's being spoken of here in the scripture is the one also doing the action, that this son of man, Jesus, is doing the saving. That's what this word means. It, it, it's also a, a, an aorist, which is, a, which is a, a, basically a, a, a tense of the verb. You know, it, it's, we, we relegate it to past tense, but what it can mean, and I think it does in this instance, is it's something that is inceptive. It's something that happened at one point and because of that, it is a forever settled subject that it, that it had a beginning and it has no end in this particular application, I believe. But this word, sozo, uh, not only speaking to Jesus doing the saving, and this is salvation that, that has begun and will never end. Uh, I, I, I like that thought. Uh, it literally means to save. It means to keep safe and sound. That's pretty good, isn't it? I like that. Salvation uh, to be saved means to be kept. I like that. It doesn't just mean to be saved. It means to be kept safe. I like that. Safe and sound. To be rescued from danger or destruction. Well, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not just my soul is going to heaven one day because I'm saved. It also means that, that this salvation I got when I got born again is powerful enough to rescue me from, uh, from destruction that I may face along the way to keep me safe and sound. To make well or to make whole or to heal or to restore to health. All of that is, is locked up in this one word that we use so often without understanding perhaps the depth of its power, the depth of its presentation to a life who believes in Christ. This salvation to be made well or whole. You know, uh, Jesus, our key scripture says, he came to save the lost. Well, who are the lost? Well, uh, this, this lost that is being speaking of, uh, if, if we were to do this same word study on the word lost, the people that he came to save, it will mean that those who are perishing, those who are being destroyed, those who are in any kind of ruin, those who have been deemed useless... Isn't that neat? I like that meaning of that word lost. Uh, you know, uh, because uh, sometimes people can feel as though as society or perhaps family or, or, or even themselves or perhaps God has deemed them to be useless. Well, thank God there's salvation for useless people. Isn't that great? I love that. Uh, that's the category I fell into. And also it means that uh, the, the lost means those who are destined for death. Those who have been, you know, uh, uh, found lacking, found wanting, found guilty, and have been sentenced and are destined to death. Wow. Isn't that neat? Uh, that, that, that speaks of all of us, that Jesus came to save, to make completely whole and heal and keep safe and sound those people who are useless and destined for death, who are being destroyed or in some kind of ruin, who daily are perishing. You know, this was the plight of that little widow that I spoke of earlier, excuse me, that little woman, she wasn't, uh, the Bible doesn't say she was a widow, who, who was plagued for 12 years in Mark 5 with, with, with her infirmity. And she wasn't getting any better, she was getting worse. She was destined for death. She needed someone to make her well, make her whole. She needed someone to, to heal her of a plague. She needed someone to intervene. The woman for all practical purposes for society was absolutely deemed useless. Mark 5 verse 28 says that the reason here that, that, that she came was for she said, if, I, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. What's, you know what the word well is in the Greek? Sozo. It's the same word translated saved earlier. She said, you know, if I can just touch Jesus, I'll get sozo. 
I'll get, you know, well, I'll be made whole. Well, we know what happened. She touched and pressed, and, you know, she immediately knew she was uh, healed, and she tried to get away, but Jesus, looking around, making inquiry, she finally came and fell at his feet and told him everything, and Jesus said this to her in verse 34. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you sozo. <laughs> Your faith has made you well. You know, sometimes we think about the word save or what we get, the salvation that Jesus paid for as just applying to our eternal life, our sins or our soul. But it's so much more than that. Here, Jesus applied salvation to her health. And this is what he told her. Your faith has made you sozo. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction, be healed of your plague. Her faith accessed the grace of salvation. Just like it accesses the grace of salvation uh, to be born again, our faith also accesses the grace of salvation to make us whole, to make us well, to rescue us, as the word saved means, rescue, to rescue us when we are perishing. Okay? Uh, this particular account today, as I was thinking about it, uh, made me remember a hymn that I sang uh, in, in church as a little boy called Rescue the Perishing. Okay? And I decided I would put some of the words up here tonight just so that I can, you, you can revisit some nostalgia. This, this was written in 1869. Rescue the Perishing, uh, uh, this lady wrote. Rescue the Perishing. Care for the Dying. Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. And then the course, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will sozo. He will save. One of the simplest and best understandings of salvation that I have ever heard and that I hear continually by so many believers who, who live outside of the United States, but they have perhaps even a greater understanding of this concept of salvation than we might present here in America in our churches throughout the United States. And I believe it best represents the greater understanding of this ongoing work of salvation. I hear many people in other countries say it like this. Number one, I have been saved. Number two, I am being saved. And number three, I will be saved. I like that whenever I talk to someone and I ask them about their salvation. Many times if they are born again, they will repeat that. I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. And uh, this truth speaks to the past, the present, and the future tense of the works of grace. The past, present, and future work of God's grace in our life. For example, it, it speaks to the fact that my spirit has been rescued from the darkness of death. I will never know eternal death because I have been saved. I will never know eternal separation from God because I have been saved. It also speaks, number two, to my soul, which is being transformed step by step, line upon line, block upon block, by the renewing of my mind with the Word of God so that daily I am being rescued. My soul is being transformed to, to be able to embrace more and more as the 
Apostle Paul said, I do not count myself to have fully apprehended what has fully apprehended me. But this one thing I do, I press on. I'm keeping on, keeping on. I'm pressing into, for I am daily being saved. And as well, this speaks to my body, which will one day be changed to reflect the very image of the glory of God. One day this body will be changed. And for that, I will be saved and transformed into the image of God's dear Son. I shall be presented to God whole before Him. That's salvation, past, present, and future. It's like what 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The King James Version says sanctify you wholly. And may your whole, may your whole, Let's just take the, let's set that aside and put a comma there. May your whole, may your whole being, may your wholeness, may the wholeness of all that you are, your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's salvation, our whole spirit, soul, and body. Let me conclude tonight with our important points for those of you that are teaching this. Please keep in mind these important points while you're teaching this to others around the world. Important point number one, Jesus gave his life on the cross of Calvary to save us from an eternity in hell and from the hell of this life. Salvation is not only for an eternity, but it's also for this life. Point number two, the relationship we have with God through Christ or through Jesus provides access to God's grace for our past, our present, and our future needs. You see, this relationship we make with Jesus in salvation provides us access to God's grace for our past, thank God, for our present, praise the Lord, and for our future to his glory. Point number three and our final point tonight. We need to remember that we can cry out to Jesus in our need. Cry out to Jesus in your need. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to sozo. Spirit, soul, and body. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know for certain if you died you'd go to heaven. Pray this prayer with me and you can know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Lord Jesus, I realize that I've sinned against you, but I'm willing to repent. I choose to turn away from being a sinner. And right this moment, I open the door of my heart and I take you, Lord Jesus, into my heart, into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart and saving me today. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we want to help you get started in your Christian life. I would like to send you a letter. We'll send you some other information so that you will be able to grow as a Christian and learn how to share Christ with others. Remember the three R's, realize, repent, and receive. Please contact us by writing to us, calling us, 
are emailing us so that we'll be able to communicate with you and have a relationship with you. Find a real Bible-believing, worshiping church. Unite with that church so you'll have a pastor. But stay in contact with us so we'll be able to help you along in your Christian life. Remember, call us, email us, or write to us so we can help you get started in your Christian life. God has great things for you.